Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Julia Baldwin-Taylor with us, and she's coming from Colorado. Tell us, Julia, about your lifestyle. How, how did you get working from home? What's, what's happening now? So I've actually worked from home for a very long time. I started working from home in 2006. I was an employee at a company, an internet marketing company, and I wanted to move about 90 minutes away. And I asked them if I could work two days in the office and commute those two days and then work from home the rest of the days. And I ended up staying in that company for seven more years. And I gradually moved to full on work from home at the very end. So that ended in about 2014. I worked for another company for a little while, also working full time from home. And then I decided to take the plunge and start my own business in the summer of 2014. So that was about seven years ago and I've never looked back. Wow. So let's go back to the begin. Let's go back to the beginning. I want to hear a little bit about how you negotiated with your boss for that work from home uh, hybrid thing. Mm-hmm. Well, fortunately, I did have there was another person in my department who had done it a couple months before. So they did kind of pave the road for me, which was very nice. But I basically said, you know, like, I, I've already proven to you that I am very productive, like I'm very independent, you know, you can rely on me and basically sold myself and said, like, this is where, you know, this is the geographic location that is going to make me the happiest. And that's where I want to be. And, you know, I would love to work out a situation where we can have the best of both worlds. And we did it. Good. And was that your idea, the two days versus three days or however, or, or did they kind of put that on you? Like, we would like to see you at least two days. Oh gosh, it was so long ago. I think it was, it was my idea, but I think it was sort of modeled after what my coworker mm-hmm. had done. So yeah, I think it was just like, this seems reasonable. Like I can do this. I can drive 90 minutes twice a week. That's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what's happening right now. I think with the pandemic changing everyone's, um, you know, work site to home, people are moving out of the cities. And so that's kind of happening. What prompted you to move 90 miles away? I actually moved from one small mountain town to another small mountain town in Colorado. Um, I'm a big skier and I had lived in the town. Uh, I still live in the town Breckenridge. I had lived in the town for about a year and a half, just fell in love. Then I moved for the job to this other town, mm-hmm. didn't fall in love with that town. And the first town just felt like home. And, you know, I've been there ever since. So it's been 17 years since I've lived in Breckenridge. So I just felt pulled. I just felt called. And, you know, I think there was a reason for it because a couple of years after I did that, not even a couple of years, I guess it was just about a year after I moved back to Breckenridge, I met my husband. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep. I, I moved um, away to work from home nine hours south of where I grew up in Minnesota to be in warmer territory. And I think I met my husband about a year and a half later. Yeah, it was worth cool. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you said uh, you did another thing for a little while. What was the middle thing before you started your uh, more entrepreneurial? Simil- similar position. You know, I had been in web design at the first company that I was at for eight years total. And then I moved into more of a development role at that second company. 
And then you went into like online sales. Yep. So my background is design. I'm a designer. I'm an artist. And I decided to just see what I could do to start creating a physical product business. And I started selling prints online. I started with Etsy and that slowly but surely picked up some steam. I started making some sales there. So uh, I was pretty quickly able to, you know, make that into a business. But what helped me make that transition since, you know, I, I didn't make an over, I didn't make a full-time income with that overnight was freelance. So I actually ended up taking on contract work with the first company that I was employed with, plus some additional contracts here and there, just random people that I did web, de- web design for or whatever um, to help create that, that bridge income, have that cushion while I was getting the product-based business up and running. So the lesson here is don't bring your bridges <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. your previous companies if you can help it. I've heard more than one person say that they got hired back on and, con- and to do contract work for them. And um, that's good. But it says here in your thing that you filled out for me that you got up to six figures of passive income. Can you talk about that? That's your first business doing the prints and such mm-hmm. or something else? Yeah, the prints. And then that I did add other products like uh, mugs, totes. Uh, I did a stint of t-shirts for a while that just wasn't my passion. So I didn't continue with the t-shirts, mm-hmm. but um, I, I did that business for around two and a half years. And, you know, those first few years were actually pretty, there was a lot of struggle there. And I was hustling really hard, trying to make it happen. You know, I, I wasn't able to quit all that freelance work right away, you know, that I didn't actually really enjoy doing that much. And I actually had a pretty uh, life altering personal event happen to me uh, at the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. So my mom and I were actually both diagnosed with ovarian cancer the same month in January of 2017. And so that just put the brakes on everything like that just halted everything and just made me take a really hard look at my life, what was I doing, um, and really make some serious changes. And did you have um, a lot of time down, uh, downtime with like treatments and all of that? Were you, did you have to stop your business entirely at that point? So I was pretty fortunate. My cancer was very early stage. We caught it very early. I only needed to have surgery. It was a pretty major surgery, but didn't need any other additional treatments. My mom, however, did end up needing chemo. So I did take some time off. I, you know, I took a couple of weeks off where I completely shut down. I didn't work at all. I didn't do anything in the business. Uh, I basically put up a message on the website and on the Etsy shop saying, uh, you know, due to an emergency, I'm not taking orders right now. Hopefully I'll be back soon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then after that, after those initial couple of weeks of doing nothing, I really just did the bare minimum. Like I stopped trying to grow the business and I just did the bare minimum of fulfilling orders. And the other thing that I did at that point was I made the decision, even though I hadn't grown it to like a full-time income yet, I I decided that I needed to start outsourcing 
my printing and my shipping. So I had been doing all of that myself, all the orders that came in. I mean, sometimes there were 20 or 30 a day. I would print them. I would schlep them to the post office in the snow. (laughs) And I was like, you know, this is, this is not what I want to be doing. Like, this is not my passion. This is not why I started a business. And the other big thing was I just, I wanted to be with my mom. I live in Colorado. My mom lives in Maryland. My mom was going through treatments and we had both been through like this big traumatic thing, but I just needed to be with her. I needed to be her with her physically and the business Mm -hmm. wasn't allowing me to do that. So that's when that was the first major change that I made in my business model. And when I got to Maryland a couple months later to spend that time with her, I was like, this is, this is it. Like, this is what this is about. You know, this Mm -hmm. is, this is what life is about being able to spend time with your loved ones when they're in that darkest hour. And I said, you know, come hell or high water, I'm making this business work and I'm going to make it work in a way that is right for me. And for me, that was hundred percent remote, hundred percent virtual. Okay. Yeah. So the physical products, uh, were they drop shipped or you had like a printing service that was also willing to mail them for you? It is a drop shipping service. Yes. So um, there's a little bit of a parallel with your story. And part of my story, uh, I didn't personally have cancer, but my mom did right around the same time as you did. And I was pregnant with my third daughter and I had to hop on a train actually to get back up to Minnesota where I'm from nine hours away. Um, And I still had this uh, physical product business that I was doing. I was selling mason jars with all these little lids and things. Um, And I was quickly packing myself to get up there to help my mom. I was working with um, Mayo Clinic at the time and I was able to get um, FMLA to be able to take the family medical leave absence, whatever they call it um, for, I think I was gone for about a week or two. But um, I packed a huge suitcase filled with glass oh <laughs> and, <gosh. laughs> um, and just like all these, you know, contraptions that I was, because it was kind of like, rather than me printing my own thing, I was taking other people's products and like piecing them together. So more like a one-stop shop for all the different competitive, competing com- products, um, you know, the silicone and the, um, the glass in the middle, all the different things. But Um, yeah, after that and having to, again, like you said, like schlepping things in the snow to like a unusual, like, like a post office that didn't have the correct size boxes and things. I was like, this is for the birds. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think if I would have been able to keep that um, business after we moved and had the baby, when we moved, I, I, I basically closed up shop, but, uh, yeah, definitely drop shipping is the way to go if you can, um, though you do lose some, you lose something, but you gain something, I guess, with that. Well, um, if you don't mind, I'd love to talk about that for a second. Like, yeah. you know, you lose something. I'm assuming you're talking about, you know, part of the profit, um, but you also gain something, which is part of the time. But what I like to point out to my clients, and I don't think we mentioned yet that I'm a business coach, but Part of what I like to point out to my clients in outsourcing is that it not only frees up your time, but it also frees up your energy. Like when you're Mm -hmm. doing something that is just sucking your soul, like schlepping stuff to the post office in the snow, like that Mm -hmm. is going to drain your creativity. It's going to drain your inspiration. Like it's just, it's a drag, you know? So it's, it's more than just about getting your time back. It's about... Mm -hmm 
preserving your energy so that you can continue to grow the business and thrive. Though I think some companies are more conducive to that model. Um, The way that I was doing it, I had sources or things coming in from like six or seven different places. And I would have had to ship again to one place Mm -hmm. to assemble things. And it was, I I picked a a kind of an awkward model (laughs) and I had two babies and I was putting one on the front and one on the back and then getting to the post office with two kids. It was a little wild. Um, But let's talk about now. So you stopped the physical products more or less, or is that still on the back burner or is it still still going? going? I So I have a virtual assistant now who handles uh, customer service, processing orders, light design edits, customizations Mm -hmm. to products. So that business is very hands-off for me. And that's, you know, when you asked me originally a little while ago about six figures of passive income, like that's what I'm referring to. That's That's the one. Okay. Yes. Yes. I did have a wedding stationery brand for about two and a half years. And I actually ended up selling that at the beginning of 2020. And that was a similar model. It was also a drop shipping model, but it was a little bit more uh, hands-on as far as doing design customization. I didn't do full-on custom design. Um, The way I had it set up was I had basically products for sale and then people could say, well, I, I would like to change this. And, you know, if it was included, then it was included. And, but sometimes I would quote them extra, you know, if they wanted to do something more complex. So it was a little bit more involved, like time-wise and energy-wise from me than mm-hmm. the, the first physical product business. Okay. And you're dealing with brides and they feel like pressure of the deadlines and it has to be perfect. Is it a little bit yeah. different set of expectations? You know, it's funny. Um, you've probably heard the expression, the, the riches are in the niches. So I had a pretty specific niche with my stationery. I obviously I live in a mountain town in Colorado. This is a huge destination for weddings here. Okay. Uh, but I, my niche was mountain weddings. So all of my stuff was mountain themed and I tended to attract a very laid back bride, which was pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So let's talk about now you are a business coach and that's like your front thing. That's what you're leading with now. Talk about it. My main focus at the moment. That's what I'm most excited about. So last year I got certified as a transformational coach, Uh, started out doing more general life coaching, but just realized how much I love helping people with their businesses. And, you know, I've, I've had certainly a long entrepreneurial journey, uh, made a lot of mistakes along the way (laughs) and learned so, so much. And I, I love working with entrepreneurs specifically. And a big piece of that is mindset. A big piece of that is manifestation. Um, I'm all about helping entrepreneurs really master their inner game, you know, master what's going on inside of their head, master their emotions, basically really have a mastery of themselves so that they are poised for growth, not only personally, but in their business as well. So mindset stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And 
let's talk about that a little bit. How has that changed your daily workflow? Um, now that you're a business coach, what does your day revolve around? So the way I have set up my coaching business and I have heard of other coaches doing this, but not everyone necessarily does it. And it wasn't till I heard about somebody else doing it that I was like, Oh, I can do that too. So maybe if you have any coaches in the audience, this will inspire them. But I set up my client calls so that they are every other week. I don't coach every single week and they're only three days a week. So basically six days out of a given month, I am on coaching calls live with clients. They do have access to me otherwise, but Mm -hmm. um, I set it up so that, you know, I have a certain response time that they expect. So I get to respond basically within that time frame. So, you know, it's around 24 hours, certain days of the week. So as you've probably already inferred from our conversation so far, like freedom is my number one value. And I really built this coaching business with the consciousness of wanting that freedom and building that freedom from the very beginning, because I didn't start my first business with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Right. I I get it. I've been rather tied to my desk, you know, every single week for, for years on end with very few vacations. Um, And so I'm really curious um, about what, what I read your profile um, and what you wrote in my, uh, my questionnaire form thing. Uh, It sounds like you have built not just a few weeks of freedom into each month, but also a couple of months of freedom into each year. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, my husband is actually a college professor. So he gets summers off. He gets a decent amount of time off at the holidays. And, you know, back when I was an employee, I was always working through all that. And I was yeah. always like, well, wait a second, you're going to go do fun stuff without me. <laughs> so I knew that that was needed to be a priority in my business for me. So I think it's just, you know, it's a decision. It's just a decision to say like, I'm going to do it my way. And that's the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur is you get to make up the rules. You know, you don't have to follow an employer's rules for you, which is really awesome. So um, basically I, to make it boil it down really simply with both businesses, all three businesses, uh, the original e-commerce business and the wedding stationery and now the coaching Basically, my philosophy is when I'm not traveling, when I'm here in Breckenridge, I am working on the business end in the business. And then when I'm on the road, I'm only working in the business. So that looks like now coaching clients Um, in the wedding stationary business that looked like processing orders, emailing with brides, making the customizations, sending everything to the printer. Um, doing tasks that were directly tied to revenue and not necessarily growth minded. Got it. So if you're traveling, you're just basically trying to keep your well, well oiled machine running. Yes. Okay. Definitely keeping the machine running, um, keeping in touch. And I think it's also about like, not just keeping in touch with clients, but also feeling connected to the purpose behind it. And this is big in 
what I do now in the coaching, especially. So I mentioned that I sold the wedding stationery business at the beginning of 2020. My husband and I were in the middle of a three month sabbatical. It was actually supposed to be an eight month sabbatical, but the pandemic had other plans for us. <laughs> and so we, we had been traveling in South America and I wrapped up the sale of the wedding stationery business just as we were getting ready to leave South America and go to New Zealand. And I was excited to go to New Zealand and, but I, there was this strange, it, it took a while for me to identify it, but there was actually this strange like emptiness of not having a purpose anymore because I wasn't, I didn't have that connection with my brides anymore. Like I love my wedding mm. stationery business, but I knew that this bigger thing was coming. Like I didn't know how to articulate it at the time, but you know, that is what the coaching business turned out to be. Okay. And so, yeah, I just really, I've learned about myself that time off is amazing. And I love to have time off where I'm not working at all. But for me, there's a threshold after about a month or so, like I need to have a purpose and I need to feel connected to that purpose. Mm -hmm. So even if that's only five hours a week of work, that's fulfilling to me. So I make that a priority. Oh, I, I get it. Did you get to go to New Zealand? We did go to New Zealand. Yeah. And we were there when things really started to get crazy. You know, the U S shut traffic down between Europe and the U S and yeah. So we weren't sure what we were going to do, but we did end up, we made a pit stop in Hawaii for a week. And then we, we came home to Breckenridge after that. Okay. So you didn't get stuck there. Cause I know they, they got pretty serious about their uh, quarantines and such. Right. Well, we had been there for so long, you know, the virus wasn't there when we got there. So, you know, we wouldn't have had to have quarantined because we'd okay. already been there for so long, but okay, good. you know, my mom was sick and we just decided we needed to get back stateside so that, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't, we didn't know what the future held. So we just felt, we felt like it was a good decision for us to just go be in our home town, you know, in Hawaii, there were like riots against tourists and we were like, Oh, maybe it's time to go. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so when did you finally land home? Uh, I think it was March 25th. Okay. So we were about 10 days behind like the really beginning of the crazy. <laughs> mm hmm. It sounds like a lot going on. Um, do you anticipate trying to hit the road again sometime soon? Absolutely. Yeah. We have plans to take off in our RV in mid-July. We'll be traveling for five or six weeks until my husband has to go back to school to teach. Have you done, have you done the whole RV thing in the past? Uh Yes, we so we actually just recently upgraded from a camper van to an RV. So technically not in an RV specifically, but we have uh, traveled and worked from the road in our camper van uh, for several summers in a row and also sporadic, you know, couple weeks here and there in the spring and the fall. We like to go to Arizona um, and Utah to go biking. So yeah, we, we try to get out on the road as much as we can. 
I kind of want to pick your brain about a few different things, but can we talk about camper vans for a little while? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've um, recently, I think in the last week or two, maybe three weeks ago, I got into like a Google image search thing mm -hmm. on camper vans and just like, oh my goodness, they have changed so much. And there's so many things you can do in a, inside of a van. So can you tell us about your old camper van? Yeah, so we bought a empty cargo shell it was a Dodge Ram ProMaster, and we thought we were going to build it out ourselves, but we quickly learned that we didn't have a lot of the skill set, and we wanted, we could have learned, but we just decided we wanted to get this thing done as quickly as possible. So we ended up uh, working with a local carpenter, uh, a friend, or a husband of a woman that my husband works with. That was really confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. And uh, he did an amazing job. So we, uh, we had a little kitchen with a sink and just a camp stove, not a built-in stove. Okay. Uh, we had a platform bed and we're big mountain bikers. So we actually had our mountain bikes stored underneath the bed and they were on a tray so we could pull them in and out really easily. Uh, what else do you want to know about it? <laughs> uh, was there a toilet? Was there a shower? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and pre pandemic, you know, how we handled that was, um, you know, most of the time we're on BLM land, we're on national forest land, public land. So not a big deal to go outside. Um, we do, we did carry a, a porta potty with us for emergencies and we would just go at coffee shops, you know, on the road or gas stations or whatever, not a big deal. And mm -hmm. then showering wise, uh, we would not shower every day, but <laughs> we would go to like the YMCA or rec centers, or occasionally we'd go to like a hot springs that had showers, that kind of thing. So that's how we took care of it in the van. Mm -hmm. And then uh, how did you feel when you said goodbye to the van and upgraded? <laughs> It was kind of bittersweet. You know, we have a lot of amazing memories in that van. We've been to like 17 states, a couple of Canadian provinces. So it was a little bit sad, but I also knew that we were upgrading, of course, to something bigger and better. I mean, it's not actually that much bigger. It's only about four feet longer than the van was, but I, we, we spent this winter, we spent more time in the van than we ever had. And even when you're somewhere wonderful in the wintertime, like Southern Arizona, the days are still really short and our van was dark. It only had one window on the side in addition to the cab. So okay. I, I was like, I just want something that has more natural light. I want a workspace. I didn't have a table in there. I was always balancing the laptop on my lap, which was no fun. And I, I want a bathroom, you know, I'm 40 years old. Like I want to feel like an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We installed a toilet in the back of our van this past year at Christmas time. Actually, uh, I think we we're going to go out and go Christmas lighting. So my mom, after she had her surgery, she had colon cancer. And with that come some, you know, repercussions, right? And she was going to drive back with us one time when we came up for my brother's wedding and she got into the van and she drove home with me because we had to fly my husband back for work. And I have three kids and it was going to be a long 30 plus hour trip by myself with these three kids. And so 
um, for our potty training child and for my mom and for any, all of us, me too. Uh, we put in that little, uh, it's just like a, like a tripod style camper, um, not camper, but like a camping toilet that has like the plastic bag, which not very eco-friendly, I guess, but, um, man, oh man, we didn't use it. We didn't use it at all on that trip. And we didn't use it for like three more years. And then finally, has that been three years, maybe two years at Christmas? I'm like, Oh, we, we have this thing and we don't have to try to go in, you know, to anyone's Mm-hmm. you know, public bathroom, which most of them were closed during the pandemic. So I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. We've got this little one who doesn't hold it for very long. So <laughs> um, that has been kind of a godsend for our family, just having yeah. the peace of mind, knowing that, you know, even if the pandemic has changed a lot of things, we can still go out and be in nature. We went up and saw, we went to Flagstaff and we went sledding. We never had to go in. <laughs> it was, nice. we all had this thing. So it was pretty great. So yeah, now you've got it. Our- we, yeah, took go ahead. Our, <laughs> we took our van to uh, Wolf Creek ski area, which is a ski area about three hours from where we live. And same thing, like you could not go in the lodge. Colorado was very strict about what you could do um, in restaurants, in lodges, in place, public places, you could order food and eat it outside. But when it's 15 yeah. degrees out, you don't want to do that. So the van, was, right? like you said, it really was a godsend to have heat and a place to take off your ski boots for a little bit and not be Mm -hmm. freezing. It was really nice. So now that you're upgrading to something a little bit bigger and how big is this new one? It's 24 feet. And how big is that in the grand scheme of like RVs? Cause I don't even know. Is that considered like medium long, extra long? That's a good question. I'm definitely not an RV expert. I would (laughs) say that it's, they call it like a B plus, uh, class B plus it's, I would say it's on the smaller side of medium. (laughs) Okay. But for two people, do you have any animals that you're traveling with? We don't, but we know a lot of folks that have camper vans and small RVs like we do that travel with two big dogs or even cats. So Mm -hmm. people do it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to ever be one of those people. I think when our cat is, when we say goodbye to our cat someday, then we will be done with animals because it makes it easier to travel if you don't have to worry about boarding and cats don't travel as well as dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, will it open up the opportunity for you to travel with anyone now that you've got this extra space? Is there an extra, is there a guest bed in your RV or no? Not really. There is one <laughs> that probably could fit a child, but uh, we're not having children. So maybe my nephew at some point, he's five. Yeah. We'd love to yeah. have him come and stay with us at some point. So maybe that'll happen uh, in the next few years before he gets too big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds good for sure. And so it's it's basically just right for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, as you're growing your business, um, how will you manage keeping yourself down to those five hours a week? Or are you comfortable with more than that when you're traveling? That's a great question. And it's something I'm still figuring out. Um, And, you know, sometimes I do work more. Sometimes I work 10 hours. Sometimes I work 15 hours when we're on the road. Um, I just try to really plan my schedule ahead of time. And I actually am planning on taking a month off while we're traveling this summer. So I'm really, it's actually like three and a half weeks where I won't be coaching clients. So I will get a true vacation in there. So just planning. 
Uh, and you said that you have a VA that you've been working with. Has this VA seen you through these iterations of your you know, business and development? I actually have two VAs and one of them, yes, she's been with me for almost two years now. So she, and you know, she, I love her because she, she has taken these things off my plate that allow me to keep on growing and exploring other things that I'm passionate about, such as the coaching. Uh, Can you see yourself uh, continuing to grow your team or are you at a sweet spot right now? I, I, I'm open to it. I, I mean, I, I just hired a second VA uh, about two, two and a half months ago, and she's amazing as well. Um, I could see, you know, I do like weekly videos on YouTube and ITTV. Like I, I, I edit them myself. So I could definitely see hiring somebody to do the editing, you know, just keep on outsourcing little by little. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I'm totally open to it. I don't have a specific vision about having like a large team. Uh, what about when you are at home? What are the things that you are taking on now that you don't take on when you're on the road? You said that you work on your business and in your business when you're at Breckenridge. Is, did I say it right? Breckenridge? Yeah, okay. you did say it correctly. <laughs> Um, it's really like, like I said before, it's really about growth. It's really about uh, attracting new clients. It's about doing events. Like I am doing workshops pretty regularly um, in partnership with other organizations. I am appearing on podcasts, um, you know, writing articles, uh, filming videos, all these growth minded things to attract more people into my sphere, (laughs) Um, which I I really take a break from when I'm on the road. How do you notify your clients that you won't be able to do your regularly scheduled coaching call if you're going to be gone for three and a half weeks instead of just two? So they're really just missing, and I shouldn't say missing. um, We're just pushing out their sessions. You know, they do a package with me, a minimum of six sessions. Okay. Like for anybody that I signed after May 1st this year, I just said, this is coming. Um, There's going to be this chunk of time in the summer. I don't know exactly when. And they're like, Mm -hmm. awesome. Like that gives me more time to just work on things, you know, or education themselves. Right. Yeah. I mean, they like it. So I seem to, I attract people who also have the value of freedom. So they get Mm -hmm. it. They appreciate it and they like it. I can see that kind of package giving more freedom than the, you know, we're going to have a, you know, a coaching call on the second Tuesday of every month because then you're, you're stuck at home. I like that model. It's good. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to change gears. Um, we can come back to those things if you want to keep going, okay. but I want to talk a little bit about physical products. Um, not that you sell, but things that you have used. Um, if we go way back to the beginning when you were working for an employer, um, two different employers, did, did they send you home with a uh, office equipment or did you have to supply your own as soon as you got home? Cause that was your choice to go home, not theirs. <laughs> well, that was an evolving thing. You know, that was so long ago. It was 15 years ago. I mean, it was like yep. the stone age of working from yep. home, right? Yeah. <laughs> I started in 2008. So I hear you. <laughs> um, you know, right off the bat, I actually purchased my own laptop. I had a, a desktop at work. 
had a desktop at home, but I knew I needed something to go back and forth. Mm -hmm. And that was part of, I guess, promoting myself when I said, okay, I want to do this thing. I want to work from home. I have this laptop, you know, I would never recommend somebody do that now. I would definitely recommend somebody negotiate that they get a computer from the workplace. And that did happen for me about a year after that, you know, my, my boss did my annual review and she's like, wait a second, you're still working on your own machine. Like we're going to change that. We're going to get you your own machine. And that Mm -hmm. definitely makes, you know, it support so much easier when you're working on their machine versus your own. Right. <laughs> right. I can see there being a few security questions about that too. Um, when I got sent home with the computer there, they had ma- their own Cisco box and like, you know, VPNs and all these different things that we were using to make sure that it was a very secure connection. Mm-hmm. Were you allowed to work in the coffee shop? Did you have freedom of um, your location or did you have to work from home or the office? Oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. I definitely (laughs) did work in other places. I mean, it wasn't as free as my lifestyle is now, but yeah, I would work in coffee shops. Sometimes I would go to the co-working space. Uh, I did that for a number of years and that was more just for the the social benefit of being around Mm -hmm. other work from home employees and getting to know other folks who were like me in the area. Yeah. Um, And then- And then you switched companies. I switched companies. They provided, and that was 2014. So then we were talking about, you know, much more evolved, I guess, work from home practices, but yeah, Mm -hmm. they, they supplied me with a computer right off the bat. And yeah, we would sometimes, they were actually a local company, but we still all worked from home. There was no physical office. It was distributed, even though there were only about four or five of us. Oh, really? So So it's a completely different model. Yeah. So sometimes we would just go to a coffee shop and work together for a few hours. That's really cool. Including like, was there a manager or was it just a team? Yeah, it was an owner slash manager. Yeah. Sometimes I would meet up with him and we would just get lunch or something and jam out a couple hours of work together. Okay, cool. And then you started working for yourself um, Mm -hmm. and you already had your old laptop or had you upgraded by then? At that point, when I took the plunge and I was like, okay, I'm committed to making this business work. Then I bought a brand new MacBook Pro. Yep. That's what I'm on right now. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. I mean, I, one of the things I've always loved about the MacBook Pro is the retina screen. Like, as you know, obviously I love to work in all kinds of different environments, sometimes being outside, you know, I like to work outside Mm -hmm. when I can, if the weather's nice. And the screen is really amenable to that. I'm on my second MacBook Pro now. I unfortunately spilled some wine on the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Before or after the warranty (laughs) was expiring? Uh, That was before or that was after I had to, you know, shell out the cash for a brand new one. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, man. I have three kids and I, (laughs) I have spilled things on my, like, external keyboard I spilled coffee like all over it and it survived like I just kind of shook it out and I am still actually my husband's using it I got a second one same model um sounds robust (laughs) yes um it was kind of a miracle I think but yeah my um my MacBook Pro the the D key is starting to stick I can't even see the E on the E key anymore I mean I've really used it well well I will tell you something 
very fortunate that happened to me recently. My keys were sticking like crazy. And I, one day I just was inspired to go Google it. Like, is this a known issue? Turns out it was, I contacted them. I sent in the laptop for them to fix it. And they basically like did a full like cleanup of the machine. There was like Mm. a couple other problems that they diagnosed that I didn't even realize were a thing. Like my battery had been not holding a charge. Like I I couldn't, I couldn't just leave my laptop unplugged because it would would just die. And they fixed all the issues. And I got a basically brand new machine for zero dollars. Yeah. (laughs) Is that under warranty? I, I think because it was like this known issue, I don't know if it was a warranty thing or not. I think I'd had it for about two and a half or three years um, when that happened. This was just maybe about six or eight months ago. So I, yeah, I, I don't think it was warranty, but because it was like this known problem, they just, they fixed it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to call them and be like, so I had this problem. I think it's a known issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go for it. I, I also need a new battery. Um, yeah, it's to the point where I've been Googling, like, how much is it going to cost me to replace a battery in this thing? And I don't think it's something that I can just do myself either. I mean, I'm not savvy enough to be able to, op- I am not brave enough to open up my computer. And try That's and certainly one of the it. challenges of being <laughs> a business owner and not having an ID, IT department that you can just right. call up when you have a problem. You know, it's, it's one of those things you just have to learn to navigate and be okay mm-hmm. with. Oh yeah. When I worked for Mayo, uh, they had a 24 seven, you know, IT department and they were, a lot of them were remote workers as well. I remember one time I called in and there was a problem and the guy had to come in and it was like a blizzard, like of like historic, you know, with historic (laughs) properties and like the bus services were like down and he had to wait like for an hour for a bus and bad, bad, bad. Um, But also uh, if my computer broke, they would like overnight me one like if something broke and it was on you know their computer and they needed me to work I was like within 24 hours I'd have the new piece or the part or the computer yeah I kind of miss those days (laughs) there are pros and cons yeah after the first after the wine meltdown I ended up buying a refurbished like $300 PC just to have something (laughs) so that if something happened again yeah I would have that backup I have not ended up using it very much at all. And I think by now it's pretty antiquated and right. probably not usable, but it's probably you know that you to, have it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Last night I had to use my old iPad. Um, it's like as old as our nine-year-old, um, ah. but it got me through in a pinch. My computer, um, apparently it was plugged in, but it must not have been plugged in a hundred percent. My plug fell to the ground and it was just like, um, maybe an eighth of an inch, not all the way plugged in. And apparently it didn't ever charge. And so it took about 10 minutes for it to turn back on. And I was in the middle of a, a session with a client. Oh, geez. And so thankfully I was able to like get my iPad up <laughs> and logged into the session that way until my computer finally came back on. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, otherwise I'm just on a Chromebook. I mean, my kids have three Chromebooks and I can't do a lot of the things I do on a Chromebook, but I can do some things. <laughs> and mm-hmm. It's just, I've learned that if I use my Google login on the Chromebook, it remembers my um, passwords and my like bookmarks. And I am thankful for that because I didn't, didn't really like the Chromebooks until I realized that they they did have that feature. 
Uh, let's chat a little bit about uh, what what you're doing now. Like, what's next? Are you um, promoting anything? Are you selling anything? Have you written anything? What do you want to What do you want people to know about what you're doing? Yeah, so I actually have a fun event coming up next week, June 15th through the 17th. So I mentioned before, one of the core components of my business coaching is teaching my clients about manifestation and how they can learn to use it in really practical ways to grow their businesses. Um, You know, a lot of business coaches, they only teach strategy. They only teach like their one way of growing a successful business, whether that's like through Instagram or SEO or doing cold calls or Mm -hmm. blogging or whatever it is. Um, And you know, what I've learned on my, in my seven years of this entrepreneurial journey is that it doesn't matter if you take all the courses and learn all the strategies. Um, It doesn't matter if you don't have that, like we talked about before, like that inner game mastered. Uh, Manifestation is all about aligning your energy. We talked a little bit about energy before with your really big dreams. It's about connecting with that most impactful, profitable vision that you have for your business and stepping into the version of you that already has the income, already has the impact and the freedom and just stepping into being that person right now. So the boot camp is going to be super hands-on and interactive. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm going to be teaching ways to practically apply manifestation in your business, including my favorite number one tool that's helped me and my clients take quantum leaps. Um, and that's, you know, not only in income, but also uh, impact and helping people and achieving that freedom that we talked about. Um, and is the reason that we started our businesses, at least most of us in the first place. So that's coming up next week. Like I said, June 15th to the 17th. Um, and if people want to check that out, it's at manifestationbootcamp.net. .net. Got it. Um, can you talk a little bit about the difference between mindset and manifestation? They really go hand in hand. Um, I would say mindset is more of like a component of manifestation. Like if you think of manifestation as more of a, an umbrella, it just falls under that umbrella. Um, a lot of people, I think where they get tripped up or confused about what manifestation is is they think like, I'm just going to change my thoughts and, or I'm just going to think about the thing that I want and it's going to appear, but it goes so much deeper than that. It's all about not only the thoughts that you're having, but also the emotions that you're experiencing, the stories that you're telling yourself, the beliefs that you have that you might not even know that you have, you know, you can say you want a million dollar business But if deep down, you know, you believe that, you know, rich people are evil or or whatever it is, like, and you don't even know that you have that belief, like you're never going to get to that million dollar goal. So it's really about, you know, not just the thoughts, but also the emotions and the stories that we're telling ourselves about what's possible for us. How can people find out more about this? About the boot camp? camp. Mm -hmm. So uh, like I said, manifestationbootcamp.net is mm-hmm. the specific address for this event that's happening next week. And is there a 
better place for people to find you if they wanted mm-hmm. to reach out to you, say perhaps after the boot camp, if they're listening to this podcast in the future? Yeah, absolutely. My website is just juliabaldwintaylor.com. And then I also hang out on Instagram. That's a great place to find me. You can shoot me a DM if you have any questions about anything. And my handle is Julia Baldwin Taylor. That's easy. Well, any last thoughts uh, for the people who are thinking about becoming a remote worker or an entrepreneur working from home? Uh, Any advice? I think, you know, as a cliche as it may sound, anything and everything is possible. Like if you have a dream to work from home or work on the road or be a digital nomad or whatever it is, like if you can dream it, it is possible for you and don't get hung up in like the nitty gritty how of it, like just keep focusing on that vision, even if it feels really far away, even if you have no idea how you're going to make it happen, like just keep tuning into this is my future, this is my future. And don't let the stories of like, well, my boss isn't going to let me or I don't know how to start a business, you know, things like that, that are going to hold you back. Don't let those things get in your way. Keep focusing on the vision. Any um, advice for people who are not sure about entrepreneurship? Would you recommend doing that transition, working for a company or a boss and then transitioning to entrepreneurship? Or do you encourage people to dive right in? I would definitely say for folks, and this is for everybody, but specifically folks who aren't interested in it, there's so many different ways that you can just dip your toe in a little bit. You know, you can start a side hustle. You can start an Etsy shop on the side. You can... You know, if you're a, a designer or a developer or anybody who provides any sort of service, you can dabble with doing that on the side, you know, if there isn't a non-compete with your employer. Right. Um, and there's certainly creative ways to work around those non-competes as well. So um, I love to think of the, about things outside of the box, you know, as much as I can. So if somebody is struggling with that, you know, they're welcome to reach out to me either on the website or Instagram and, you know, we can brainstorm. All right. Well, I love it. Thank you, Julia. I, anything that we left hanging that you wanted to get back to before we wrap things up? No, I think we about covered it. Thanks, April. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming. This has been April Malone with Julia Baldwin-Taylor. Thank you again. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.